0: Our text this morning is Romans ten, uh, verses eight through ten. Romans ten, eight through ten. And I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't get the uh, the little uh, uh, the handouts this week. My computer was messed up. I was able to share them, so Rick, you have them, and and of course Mark has them. But uh, I wasn't able to 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 print them out. But uh, our text from yeah. Romans eight ten through uh, Romans ten eight through ten. Sorry. Um, and you know, as we look, this is a very, very familiar passage. I would say most of us know it right off. But you know, I, I want us to, to recognize something this morning before we, before we start. Um, you know, we can do we can do radical damage with the Word of God. We we can we can we can we have that ability. We 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 can t- we can take the Word of God, and we can so rip it out of its context. We can t- basically take it to mean pretty much anything we want to say with it. Um, I know the story of a of a pastor who was speaking of the, the story of the prodigal son. And speaking of the prodigal son, he said, I could preach any way I want to. I could, I could preach to be saved or lost or backslidden and make it about the father or the... And, and just any way I want to. Um, and and, and <laughs> the amazing thing is, oftentimes when I'm in a discussion with someone, I'll, I'll kind of find myself doing that. You know, I'll pull passage out of context. If it works out to be a good club for me, you know, I mean, you know, I'll pull it out. It may not mean that, but if it works in this situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it. Um, my heart is also deceitful above all, the, all things, right? All our hearts can do this, and, and we do this. So how do we avoid this? How do, how do, we, how do we avoid doing radical damage to the Word of God? And of course, we know the answer um, by God's empty. Spirit and by context, you know. And and part of it too, we, we use the confessions. I mean, I know it's something that's, that's 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 kind of fallen away in in our in our 21st century church is those confessions. But but the, I mean, there's a reason why, as a church, when we started, we said, you know, we 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 have to go back to confession, the we, 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 uh, confession of faith. Now, it's not it's not greater ministry. than the Bible. It's not over the sure. Bible, but it helps us. You know, kind of help us line up with it. That that second point, but but context, and we must compare scripture with scripture. Um, and the reason I'm bringing it up, as I said, is this is one of those familiar passages so often, and so misused in our in our world today. You know, this passage is the foundation of the sinner's prayer that you hear, and most of you were taught. Um, this, is, this verse is, is, is a favorite verse of those who, who uh, teach that strongly Armenian tainted theology um, and does radical damage to the church. I really believe this misuse does radical damage to the church and, 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 and to us, the, the, the believers. And I think the problem comes when it's ripped from its contextual moorings and it's taught to mean anything that people want it to, and not what Paul intended. So let's look at this passage, Romans 10, 8 through 10. Paul writes in Romans ten eight, But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. As I told you, my computer was crazy. Oh, there it is. Worried. Okay. I have questions. So how many of you were taught to memorize this passage, or at least verses... 9 through 10, as part of an evangelistic training. How many of you memorized it at one part, point or another? Several. And if you've been through, through CWT or Evangelism Explosion or, or the Romans Road, this is the passage, you remember. You, you, this, this, is, this, is the, uh, this is the seal the deal passage, right? This is the place where you get to the end, and this is where you invite them to pray the prayer. This, this is it. This, this is, that, that's what this is all about. Um, this is the final block in the paving of the, of the Romans Road, as people lay it out. This, this was the formula you used to get people saved. If you, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. That's what you're taught. Amen. Um, if you do this, Right? That's all it is. No. If you want to be saved, Compared you just have to, to believe in your mind, heart and confess in your mouth, and you'll be saved, heart? right? To make sure that it so wasn't my computer, and it's fine. I'm curious, though. If this, is, if this is what this means, why did Paul add another step to salvation? Oh. I mean, if this is really what this is about, why did Paul add to the process of salvation? Because Jesus said in John 3.16, all you had to do is believe, right? For God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him. Has Paul added another part to it? Well, not, no, believe is not enough. Now you have to believe and confess? Does he add another step in this? No. There'd be two works instead of one. And of course, this is not the worst part of this. I take it, Gladys. The worst part is the damage this does to the church and the people. It's not what it means, but no, but it, it's so no. often it teaches a formula for hearing, salvation or nothing that, that people like, can do thinking, well, or they can rely on out that far far too that and often leads to destruction. Um, a video, you know, and it, I loved how it was, was put yesterday morning. Volume, as we talked about so this. I don't understand. If you take this on. passage. And you, and you take it as it's so often used, that, that, that if you do this, if you believe in your heart, and if you confess with your mouth, oh. you'll be saved. It teaches people to have faith in You're their faith. You're just filling in for John. Instead of faith in God. they're on a vacation. And this, is, this happens so much. And the damage is done Everything when it's in from this context. Both the immediate context of Romans <laughs> and the greater context of the Bible. So how do we? So what do we do with this? How how are we going to do this? What what? So if this is if it's not this formula for salvation, what is this? Well, Paul as Paul as we put this in the context of what Paul's doing in, in chapter nine in in he's doing with this. Oh, notice that Paul's talking about how how do you live a righteous life? How do you live a, he's, this is what he was talking about. Here were these Jews that were trying to live a righteous life. This is the context that Paul is talking about. He's talking about the sons of Israel seeking to establish their own righteousness, seeking to live a righteous life, and they were failing. They They stumbled over the stumbling stone of Jesus Christ. Here they are, they're they're trying to live this righteous life, they're trying to live this out, and they fail in this. They're they're not, when we talked about that, they're trying to live by the law. Just, you just listen and, and Paul enjoy points us out we'll in chapter 10, on verse 5, five on uh, of, of Romans. For Moses Maybe writes it about a little glitch. the righteousness what, huh? that is based on the law, that the person who does oh, the no, commandments shall okay. live by them. I mean, you know, Paul says there's a problem. <laughs> if you're trying, well, if you're sorry, trying to, 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 to establish, so. to live a righteous life by keeping the law, you have to keep all the law. You can't pick and choose. You have to do all of them. And last week we talked about this, and Paul was quoting from, from Leviticus 18. And he said that, that God said that, that, uh-huh. that, you, if that if you want to that, um, to live by the law, uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's, that, not that, sorry, the She's righteous based on the law, good, huh? the person who does so them commandments, shall live by them, all of them. And in that context, Maybe he's I talking about the punishment for can't. sexual sin. The, the consequences of sexual sin, that that if, you, that if you want to try to live these commandments out, you have to do all of them, and when you fail, there are consequences. Romans 18, 24. Do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things, any of the sexual sins, any of the sexual problems, for by these, the nations I'm driving you out before you have become unclean. And if you do any of these sexual immoralities, it goes on in verse 28. The land will vomit you vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited yeah. out the nations that were before you. Paul so so Moses said, you want you want to live well, I don't know. by the law, Maybe you she, want your righteousness by the law? Problem. You have to do all of them, and if you I don't mean, if you don't, you will be vomited what, out of she, the land. I didn't realize that you exiled, expelled able to connect like you do. The first but time I, as we I saw last tell. week, though it didn't end there, with I've the land vomiting them out, fixed it. You know, oh, Moses you know, went we on and quoted. Join, just, Paul you know, went on and quoted Moses um, from Deuteronomy time, 30. So that's when and I that passage. Message and, Moses and is telling them right that God will on, bring you back. Yeah. And as I said last week, um, I really want to encourage you: open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 30. Don't lose your place. We're, we're going to kind of have these two side by side, but but we really need to take these two passages and lay them out. Because we need to see the change, and we need to see what's happening. So Deuteronomy 30, and 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 Romans 10. So so you, you, we've in Deuteronomy 30 again. The context is uh-huh. after you've been vomited from the land, after you've been exiled, after you've been sent back, sent out there. God's going to call you back. Deuteronomy yeah, let's 30 see if we can do it at the way. beginning, 31. And when you've done all these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and all the curses have fallen, yeah, upon, have fallen you, upon you and God yeah, has and, and look God look has, back, has called you look back look to your nation, then then what happens? <laughs> when God brings you out of exile from the land you've been cast <laughs> to, what does it look like then for us? And just so you know, that's all of us. That's every one of us. <laughs> That we were, there was an exile that all of us, that all the children of Israel walked, and that all of us walked into, and God until God brings us out of it, brings us back, and when He does that, God does. He says, "I will do amazing things for you." When after you've fallen and I've called you back, in Deuteronomy 30, verse four, God says, "I'm going to do amazing things." If you're in Deuteronomy 30, verse four. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord God will gather you, and he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you to the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and more numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. So that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. We can hear him, but we can't hear what he's really saying. That you may live. uh, This is how you live. He says, God, I'm I'm going to call you back. I'm going to gather you back together. And I'm going to make you more prosperous, more numerous. And then I'm going to circumcise your heart. I'm going to come in and I'm going to do surgery. Heart surgery on you. I'm going to circumcise your heart so that you'll love the Lord your God with if all your heart. And with all your soul. This happens. is what you've been commanded so. to do, by the way. <laughs> okay. God will circumcise our heart and cause us too. to love God with all our hearts and with all our souls so that we may live. Okay. And and we found the Lord will abundantly prosperous. Yeah, he will okay. abundantly we'll pour out later. his love upon us. Abundantly uh, thank give to you. us. I love you. Bye. As Ann was telling us about. Okay. He says, I'm sure. And when it's you've me. been brought out of this exile, <laughs> you will live that, according to Deuteronomy because thirty. He's filling in for John, and I Paul Paul he, he's building on this and he continues this quote. Deuteronomy thirty verse eleven. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say who shall ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Now I want you to look real carefully at this. In Deuteronomy 30, he says, it, it, is not, it is not too far from us, it is not in heaven that you should do it, that you should say, who will send to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Moses says that we may hear it and do it. In this context, by the way, what is the it? What is the it that Moses is talking about? The commandments, right? The commandments. Moses is saying in in Deuteronomy 30, he says, he said, for this commandment that I command you to stay is not too hard for you. Neither is it too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will send to heaven for us and bring it, the commandment to us, that we may hear it and do it. But look carefully what Paul does in Romans 10. You know, as we pointed out last week, how disappointing it would have been. Here you are; you were sent into Babylonia because of your sin, because of your failure to keep the commandments, because of, uh, of all your sin. You were sent into exile, into Syria, into Egypt, wherever God sent you. And God has brought you back, and you're reading this now, and you think, all right, God has brought me back. He circumcised my heart. He brought me back. And he gets my commandments. Now I gotta do it again. But now, but now Moses is saying it's not hard. Last week, last week, as we said, it was impossible for you to keep them. And here's Moses saying it's not hard. Something's changed. Something radically has changed in this. How could it have been impossible before? And now it's not hard. Well, Paul explains it. He, Paul takes that same passage in Romans 10:6. But the righteousness based on faith, say, do, on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Notice, that is to bring Christ down. Paul inserts Christ in the, in the spot of the commandments. What was the commandments, now it's about Christ. Paul inserts Christ there, and he does the same thing with ascending in the, in the other part, verse 11, Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea and bring it and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Paul does the same thing again and replaces it, the commandments, with Christ. This is why it's not too hard for us now. It is by faith that Christ has fulfilled the hearing and the doing. It was done by Christ. So Moses says, now it's not too hard for you because Christ's done it. Back to Romans 10.8. He writes, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Why is it so very near to you? How did it get there? Where did it come from to be in your mouth? We know that what's in the mouth proceeds from the heart. And how did it get in your heart? Because God put it there. God circumcised your heart, He put it there. It's God's work when he brought you out of exile. When God brought you to exile, he circumcised your heart and he put the word in you, the word of faith. It's been written in your heart. This is that new covenant. When our hearts were circumcised, he wrote his law upon our hearts. Jeremiah 31, 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Paul told us that, that God wrote the word of faith, this, this, this law of faith, on our hearts in Romans 10.8. When God circumcises the heart and writes his law upon it, he writes the word of faith. And the word of faith is, Jesus is Lord, and God has raised him from the dead. This is the word of faith that God that God has written in our heart. When He circumcised it, He wrote that there. Jesus is Lord. Now notice He didn't say Jesus Christ, even though that'd be true. He didn't say Jesus God's son. Just Jesus, that 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 personal name. That that that. And the 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 Jews would have read that that Yeshua, that that man, that that, that one who came here. He is Lord. He is Lord. I think Paul's referring back to that stumbling stone, that thing that, that, that stone of offense for you, that, that thing that you, you stumbled over, you couldn't handle. He is sovereign over all things. He is the one who sends out and calls forth. In every situation, he is sovereign. He is Lord. Even over salvation, he is Lord. This is that word of faith that God's put on our hearts, that God, that Jesus is Lord, and that God has called him from the dead. The sacrifice that was made on your behalf was accepted. The payment was made. You know, He doesn't say that 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 believe that He was resurrected, even though it's true. Doesn't say he believe He was crucified, even though that's important. It doesn't say He was born of a virgin. Although that's part of it, he says, you have to, the word of faith is Jesus is Lord and God has raised him from the dead. This is the word of faith. This is what God has put on every circumcised heart and God has put in every circumcised mouth. This word of faith. And going on to verse 9, and this is one of the times that I'm not pleased with the ESV version. I, I think the, uh, the ESV kind of kind of missed it here. I think the 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 Holman did a little better job because you notice in, in verse nine it starts with the word because because if well the problem is that's not in the Greek it's not in the Greek um, I really think the best translation is the Old King James more it's more it's very wooden but but it's literal because the first word is that that if thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Because, because what happens is, when you think the word because, you think, well, you kind of, kind of get into this result thing. And that's not what he's saying. Paul's not saying that. The result, um, he, I mean, the result of God putting on your heart and in your mouth is the believing in the confession. You will respond to the work that God's done. Because God has done this, because God has circumcised your heart, because God has written on your on your heart, you will respond with believing in confession. But it's not a result as in, I believe, therefore. And I, I do want to point out one other thing, just to prove to myself that those hours studying Greek was not wasted. Um, both of these verbs, believe and confess, are in the aorist tense. And, and for those, most, most of have heard it before, aorist means continuous actions. It, it's a movie. Well, so what he's saying is that if you are confessing, if you are believing, it's continuous. It's over and over. It's not a one-time thing. So what all this means for verse 10? So Paul says in verse 10, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses, confesses and is saved. And this verse, as I said, is the very foundation of sinner's prayer that people pray every week. Every week across the Christian landscape, people are invited to pray that they will, so that they will be saved. And this is their proof text. So use these two verses. This is the proof text that if you pray these two things, you will be saved. Am I saying that the sinner's prayer is wrong? Maybe. And let me explain what I mean by that. If you see the sinner's prayer as causing your salvation, then I'm saying you misunderstood the passage and are taken out of context. Paul is not saying that when a heart believes, it is justified, and when a mouth confesses, it is saved. Paul is not saying this. We know that. We know from chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, that justification is a gift from God. It is not a reward of faith. Let me say it again. For all have fallen, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Justification is a gift from God. It is not it is not a reward for faith. So what is Paul saying? When he said that, for with a heart one believes and is justified, what he's saying is, a believing heart is a justified heart. A believing heart is a justified heart. When God, has, when God works in that heart, when he, when he comes in and he circumcises that heart, and he puts that law upon you, in, in your heart, the law, this, this word of faith, that 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 Jesus Lord and God has raised him from the dead, and He's justified it. It believes. This is what it believes. A believing heart is a justified heart. A believing heart has been circumcised by God, and so it believes. A confessing mouth does not call salvation. Instead, a confessing mouth is a mouth that is saved because of the work of circumcision of the heart that God has performed. That all of this, that, that God has done this work, that 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 he Paul goes back and he, he takes from what from what Moses teaches in Deuteronomy, that God works in there and he circumcised your heart and he cuts out that 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 the old dead and he puts in there and he writes his law upon your heart and now he put that word of faith in your heart and it believes because God's done it and it confesses because what God's done and that's the evidence of it. And you might hear this and say, well, okay, that's just semantics. What difference does it make? What difference does it make if, if, if I see this as as that, as that final step of, 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 of this is the formula for salvation, or if I see this as the evidence of God's justification work, it's still the same words, right? It's still the same thing. What difference does it make? I'm here to tell you it makes a huge difference. One thing, and probably the worst thing, it's been used to deceive a lot of people into a false sense of security. It has been used to, to deceive a lot of people into a false sense of security. Okay. People say, well, I've done those things. I, I, I believe it in my heart. Jesus Lord. And I confessed it. Man, I walked down the, oh, I, I'd walk down the aisles and I, that was my confession. Jesus is Lord. God raised him for the dead. He paid the price of my penalty. I am saved. I have absolute security in that. And that becomes their assurance of salvation, this verse. This verse becomes their assurance of salvation. Now, they might not want to, to, to confess with their mouth, but they did it. They were told they were saved. They did their part. Right? They did their part. They believed at one time. They confessed at one time. They did all the right steps. They did their part. And somebody looked in the eye and said, You are saved. And you can rest in that. You gave them such a false insecurity. You lied to him. Because you took took what Paul wrote in Romans and you took that he, he gave us as a way to live and said, well, no, it's just a formula for salvation. Number two, the second major flaw with this is it leads you to look to yourself instead of recognizing. That it is God who does all. You are the catalyst of your own salvation. Okay, so, this, so here it is, it's laid out here, but it's up to you, brother. If you'll, if, you'll, if, you'll, if you'll think the right thoughts in your head, if you'll say the right words, it's all up to you. And that becomes the whole pattern of your salvation. It's up to you. It, it, it's the way you begin it, and it's the way you continue. So if I find myself struggling with sin... Well, it's up to me. I just got to try harder. Lord, forgive me. I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to do better today. Had an old, old mission professor. He said, as you begin, so you go. The way you, the way you start it, it's the way you finish it. And finally, and I think it's for one of the worst places, one of the worst ways, is I said, it, it takes a strength and a hope for living and turns into a formula for salvation. You see, I mentioned this is, this is to be an everyday occurrence. This was not something that you did at the beginning. Okay, so, so all right, I, I, I want to be saved. So let me, let me Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to believe in my heart. I got that out of my way, and I can forget this. No, what, what, what Paul was saying, this is, this is the life of righteousness, This is is it. It's every day. Every day I am to believe in my heart Jesus is Lord. That means the things he tells me are right. That means the things that come, he allowed. That means the things that he kept away, I don't need. He's Lord. And I may struggle with that, but this is every day. And every day I am to confess God is raising from the dead. It's not, a, it's not. a one time. I got that, that I done. Check it off list. This is how we live. This is our strength for life. So what does it look? I mean, and I said, this is what it looks like to have a circumcised heart. It looks like you believe Jesus is Lord. What does it look like to have a circumcised heart? It looks like you confess. God has raised him from the dead. Not, not one time. Not not at the end of a service when you've heard just as I am for the, you know, umpteenth time, and you come in. All right, I'll, fine, all right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll I'll do it. I will. You know, I will. I'm going to do it. Okay, fine. Whew, I got that out of the way. I am now saved. Check that off the list. That bucket list thing's done. That's not what he's saying here at all. That's not what Paul's saying here. Paul says, "No. What does it look like? How do you live with a circumcised heart? God wrote that on your law. I mean, God, God wrote the law on your heart. He, when He circumcised, He put that in there, and it changed the way you live. You live knowing that Jesus is Lord. I mean, they're, they're, that's what as, as Jack was talking about Sunday school. Man, there's a power." In salvation, in a New Testament salvation, there's a power in this new covenant. It it radically changes you. Because God's done that work. Mm -hmm. That's what Moses said. He said, man, God's going to abundantly bless you. It's not like, well, God does this and everything, everything will be fine. As Moses was quoting, after after you've been circumcised your heart, the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand. You will be changed in the fruit of the lo- of your womb, and in the fruit of your can- in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of the ground. You will be abundantly prosperous. The Lord will again take delight prosper in prospering you as he took the lot in your fathers, when you obey the voice of the Lord your God and keep his commandments and his statutes. And all these curses, he'll put them on your enemies. So Paul takes that and he says, oh, man, when that happens, when God circumcised your heart and he puts that word of faith in you, man, it's not it's not too hard anymore. Because now you've learned when you're in that struggle, call out to God. Call out to Him, which is where we go into next week. I I I just I feel like that that passage, and and you know, I've used it, and I would like to say I used it. I I would love to blame someone else when I when I talk about, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that I'd love to say, well, that was what somebody else's fault because that's what they taught me. But the reality is, I'm responsible. I, I just, but I've used it that way so many times to uh, to my uh, shame and, and my sin. Because Paul says, "No, this this is this is how you live. This is what righteousness looks like. It's different." God circumcised your heart. What a great work that is. And yes, there is that response. And that's what I mean. That's why I said is the prayer of salvation uh wrong? Maybe. If you see it as causing, then yeah, it's wrong. If you see it as no, that is the response that that, that when you look at it and you say, Man, look what God has done. God has circumcised my heart. And so so, yes, I, I will stand up and I will. And I will confess Jesus is Lord and God has raised him from the dead. Not so that I will be saved. But because God has done a great work in my life, in my heart. Huge difference. So yes, we have a a, a song at the end. And this is a time of response. And you are... you know, and we don't do it enough, but you're encouraged to confess what God has done. And I hope everyone feels free to confess, either during during our time of confession or or at the end. But 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 there is a, but it's not just a Sunday a Sunday afternoon activity. It's a daily life. This is how we live.